Welcome to Poverty Unpacked, the podcast series in which we discuss the hidden sides of poverty. In conversation with others, we explore how poverty affects the mind, relationships, emotions and society as a whole, and what can be done to change it. In this episode, we speak about the cost of living crisis in the UK and the role of food banks in helping people to get food on the table. With inflation at its highest since 1981, energy and food prices are skyrocketing, and it has dramatic consequences. For the poorest 20% in the UK, the cost of food, energy, rent and other essential now takes up more than half of their disposable income. And research from the National Institute of Economic and Social Research suggests that as many as three out of five are currently spending more than they have coming in. Food banks play an essential role to make sure that families are able to feed themselves. This episode is organized together with the Trussell Trust. The Trussell Trust is the largest food bank organization in the UK, with more than 1,300 centers around the country, providing practical support for people facing hardship. We speak with Caroline. Caroline is a single mother living in Northern Ireland, and we first heard from her in episode 22, when she was telling us about the reality of living on a low income during the pandemic. Caroline first needed social security when she was working as a self-employed childminder. She then found employment in January 2020, but when the pandemic hit, she was put on furlough and lost 80% of her wages. In August of the same year, she was made redundant when the nursery she worked for closed for goods. She switched to universal credit, which is the main welfare scheme in the UK, and went back into self-employment as a registered childminder. Since then, even though Caroline has found a new job as a classroom assistant, she is struggling with the cost of living. She uses food bank from time to time. We also speak with Amy. Amy is an area manager for the Trussell Trust for South West England, and she ensures the delivery of Trussell Trust's vision to end the need for food banks in the UK. Caroline and Amy, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us today. Now, Caroline, our regular listeners might recognize your voice. You were part of a previous episode on the effects of the pandemic, especially for people on low income. And it's great to have you back. And when we last spoke, uh, which was at the end of 2021, last year, you were working as a childminder and you were also telling us about how hard it was to make ends meet at that time. And before we dive into the topic of today, I wanted to ask you how you've been since and, and what you've been up to. Um, it's it's going okay. I'm no longer a registered chatminder. I'm now working in a school as a special educational needs classroom assistant. So my wages are a wee bit more stable, but I still have a insecure employment because I don't get paid when I'm not at work and I don't have a choice as to when I'm not at work for nine weeks now, I'm off now for nine weeks. So yeah, it'll be a difficult summer. Thank you for sharing, Caroline. And nine weeks without being able to work and without being paid sounds like a long time indeed. Amy, our other guest, you're an area manager with the Trussell Trust in Southwest England. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and what Trussell Trust does and particularly your job as an area manager? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. It's it's great to be here. So. Um, As the Trussell Trust, we support a nationwide network of food banks and together we provide emergency food and support to people in poverty. And then on a wider level, we also campaign for change to really end the need for food banks in the UK. So in my role as an area manager specifically, you work within a specific geographical region. 
So mine is actually working in North London and, and in the role you work with Trussell Trust food banks in that area, you offer support and guidance and sometimes even pastoral care to staff and volunteers and trustees. And our role really helps food banks in their general operations. So that's the actual day to day of giving out food to the people who are accessing support from their services. And it also ranges to things like data and GDPR queries and safeguarding and also volunteer training. So really no day looks the same at all. So, you know, I could be helping a food bank with a stock take in the morning and then supporting a project manager at a food bank train new volunteers in the afternoon. So, yeah, very varied. But then on a more sort of macro level as well, we also really support food banks to develop their own strategies and visions for their own local communities where they are based, looking at how they can really reduce the need for their services locally, which is very much in line with our wider vision at Trussell Trust, which is to end the need for food banks. Thank you. So a very busy and varied job with a very important vision, especially now because we're talking about the cost of living crisis. And with inflation, I believe, currently at 8%, which is its highest in the UK, I should say, since 1981, we are now in the midst of this cost of living crisis. Now, Amy, working at the Trussell Trust, I imagine that the current crisis uh, has made more people seek support from food banks. Can you say a little bit about what kind of changes you've seen in the food banks in the area that you're, you're covering and how the Trussell Trust is responding? Yeah, you're, you're really right. So it'd probably be helpful for you and your listeners to sort of know a bit about sort of practically the changes in the numbers of people accessing support from our food banks. So something that we do at Trussell is with our referrals, we're able to track our data a little bit and, and track the numbers of people who are accessing support from our food banks all across the UK. And we can see that between the 1st of April 2021 and the 31st of March 2022, the food banks in the Trussell Trust network, we distributed over 2.1 million emergency food parcels to people who are in crisis. And this is a massive increase of 14% compared to that same period in 2019 to 2020. And, you know, those numbers are, are really shocking and Sometimes it's quite hard to understand what that means practically on the ground for food banks who are supporting those people. And there has been big changes in terms of operations on the ground for food banks. So with increased numbers of people accessing support, food banks have had to make sure that they've got enough donations to support the number of food parcels that they're distributing. So that's a big logistic undertaking for food banks to ensure they're collecting donations, they're working with the general public to increase numbers of donations coming in, they're making sure that their stock levels are enough to support the numbers of people that they're supporting. And then also practically, food banks have got to make sure they've also got enough volunteers to help them run increasingly busy food bank sessions. As the Trussell Trust, you know, we know that the cost of living crisis is forcing people into really impossible decisions. And we also know that hunger in the UK, it's not just about food. It's really about people not having enough money for the essentials that we all need in life and then having to face those impossible decisions. And part of our work with, with food banks is the active outworking of, of this vision that we have to end the need for food banks which means that, of course, food banks will continue to do their amazing work of distributing emergency food to people in crisis, but also looking at and recognising the long-term drivers of food bank use and looking at how we can take action to tackle some of those things. And this looks different in different food banks and local communities. It, it could be, for instance, working closely with other charities and organisations to provide support to people locally 
It could be offering advice through agencies such as Citizens Advice in-house at food banks during food bank sessions, or it could even be about providing tailored signposting to other support groups when people are coming to pick up their food parcels. Ultimately, it's about supporting the people who are having to face these impossible decisions to access the wider support that they need in addition to their emergency food parcel. Very interesting. So it's really not just about providing food, but also linkages to other supports. Caroline, when you were with us last time, you spoke really powerfully about how inhumane it is that we live in a country where people have to stand in a queue to collect something so basic as foods. Would you be able to share something about your own experiences using a food bank and also share some thoughts on the tough decisions that Amy was talking about when needing to decide what to spend your money on? Absolutely. The the most recent time that I had to access food bank was in February when I had just started my new job um, and we were off for the midterm break. Um, My child and myself both caught COVID. So we were both isolating and I had nothing in my bank. Um, It was like, we can't just sit in the house with no food. Um, My family was helping me, but I also had to just reach out for the food bank, you know, so they were able to drop stuff up. Our local food bank is just a small community-led food bank, but, you know, they're popping up all over the place. You know, we have loads of organisations that are actually providing food donations, and I just find it really sad that society or, you know, that our social security system is not enough for people to actually live on, to buy food. There's a lot of people that are using food banks that potentially aren't even on social security they're not on benefits because they're earning too much but the cost of living has them at a stage where they just can't survive it's, it's a bit survival now it's about existing it's not even you know thriving has it, it's gone from so many families we should be thriving not just surviving to exist it's, it's the same with debts and stuff people maybe that use food banks they may not have debts you know they can manage their money very well But when you manage your money very well on a very, very tight budget and you have cost increases going up, when you have the very basics of milk and bread jumping in 40, 50p and you're on a very, very tight budget, there's no room in that budget to accommodate that extra 50p. It's a pound a week, potentially. And I'm at a stage where I'm looking at myself going, well, I'm just about getting by. If the diesel doesn't go down in price soon, I don't know how I'll go to work. Because it's between 10 and 50% of my income. How can I justify that? Because that means that I'm potentially either, again, not hitting my home to put diesel in the car to go to work to get an income. But what's that income for when I can't put heating in my house and buy my own food? And it's, it's just a really vicious circle. Something's going to give. The Trust and Trust is doing great things, you know, and it is, it's meeting a need that's there in the community but that need should not be there in the community because people should be able to survive they should be able to put food on their table and they can't yeah and Caroline you was talking just now about how uh, there will be a break of nine weeks what are your expectations for the next nine weeks and do you think you'll have to access a food bank in that period uh, absolutely the, w- when I get paid now I get paid in the middle of July for my June month but that will impact on my August universal credit so in August I'm going to have no wages and my universal credit is going to be on a very very basic level so 
and it mightn't even cover my rent and that's what I'm looking at so if I don't get universal credit to cover my rent we have nothing I can't commit to my direct debits I can't commit to anything and then I'm going to work in September on a universal credit wage with potentially putting 30 or 40 pound of diesel in my car every week and that's coming out of our very very basic living standards you know as it is and it's like I won't be able to survive to the middle of October you know when I have no money in August I'm stretching my universal credit in September into the middle of October and it's really stressful and it's 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 worrying and my child sees that in me. And Amy working with 19 food banks you were telling me earlier what are some of the experiences and some of the stories you hear or that your colleagues hear particularly now during this crisis because as Caroline said there might be people who've never been on benefits before who are not on benefits at all who just experience a sudden crisis with costs going up and having to access food banks. Yeah yeah absolutely and and Caroline thank you so much for sharing a bit about your situation and what's going on there and I think you know what what Caroline just said about actually people should be able to thrive rather than just survive but even at the moment people are really struggling to even just survive is is something that that we're really hearing from project managers and and food bank other food bank staff and volunteers on the ground we're hearing about conversations that they're having with people where people talk about skipping meals so they can feed their children or turning off essential appliances so they can cover buses for job interviews or getting their kids to school and it's just for for food bank staff and volunteers on the ground it's it's just that constant increase in those stories that that people are coming with and like you said it's indiscriminate in terms of sort of people who are facing those crises and and facing those situations just in general just more and more we're hearing that when you don't have enough money for life's essentials it really can feel like you're fighting to, to survive rather than being able to thrive. And there is obviously a big worry around the heating bills when we come out of summer into winter. And the level of concern around this is, is very much unique to the cost of living crisis that, that we're going through at the moment. And we really are seeing, yeah, increased numbers of people coming in with these, these impossible decisions that they're being faced with on a day-to-day basis. And food banks are there to support and you know we're there to provide people with those emergency food parcels and and support within as much as possible to do with their wider situation but like Caroline mentioned that we are also really sort of campaigning for for change that means that people are able to to thrive and not just survive. A question to both of you with this crisis and more people needing this support do you see any change in public attitudes or the, the way in which people who use food banks are spoken about in an earlier episode about food bank usage as well we spoke about the stigma attached to going into a food bank needing to rely on that support for food but now with so many people being so badly affected do you see a change in those attitudes maybe is it less stigmatizing now because so many other people are struggling or is that still a similar experience do you think I think there may be a bit of a shift. There's still probably a lot of people that are accessing food banks that aren't openly saying that they're accessing food banks. To me, a lot of the stigma does come from ourselves. It's a fear of being judged. 
rather than the wider community, because I do think people have empathy towards the need to put food on the table. But the, a lot of the stigma, I think, comes from ourselves. But the bigger stigma is the social security system. You know, that's where it stems from. And I suppose the way funding at the minute has been put out to help people with the cost of living crisis and people on social security, very rightly, are getting a wee bit more than other people. But again, it's just, it creates a barrier and it creates a division between those who get and those who don't get. And it just reinvigorates that stigma and a bone of contention, I suppose, between some people who may not get it, but need it. Because obviously the threshold of social security just isn't catching people in need. But the food banks itself, I think the stigma is coming down with that use, definitely, especially as more and more people need it. And as people that aren't on social security, you know, need it, that stigma is being reduced there a wee bit. Thank you for sharing. Amy, what do you see in the in the food banks of Trussell Trust? Mm. Yeah, I think, Caroline, I think totally agree with what you've just said. And I think as as it's become more spoken about the fact that so many people are having to access support from food banks and actually that really could happen to anybody. I think you're right to some extent, Caroline, like you said, there has the stigma has decreased in terms of other people's perception and and awareness and thinking around it. But there is also still, it's a brave move to to go to a food bank and, and it, yep. it takes a step to say, I, I need this support. And okay. actually, like you said, Caroline, for people who are accessing support, that might still be an internal feeling that they're feeling. And actually, that's why it's so important that at food banks, the warm welcome and the support that they receive just makes people feel comfortable and makes them aware that they're absolutely, there is no, you do not need to feel ashamed. You do not need to feel embarrassed. You know, this is a place where you come for to get support. And that's really, really important. So I think perhaps, yes, a gradual shift, but also not, you know, not nearly enough and you know like what Caroline said it is so important that we have a strong and stable social security system that can act as a lifeline when people need it especially during this cost of living crisis and you know some of the we welcome at Trussell we welcome the Chancellor's recent investment in social security to help ease the worst of the cost of living crisis it was urgently needed but actually if we're going to turn the rising tide of food bank need in the long term it can't just be a one-off and this needs to be something that we keep talking about and keep addressing and keep campaigning about so great if the stigma is being reduced at the moment but how do we continue doing that in a way that that works for the for the betterment of of people's lives in the future thank you amy caroline did you want to add to what amy's just said Absolutely, I agree with what Amy is saying there. You know, it's 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 about that. It's about that ask because it is that first step of recognizing that I can't I can't put food on the table this week. You know how how do I how do I get access to support? It's about that first step, and that that first ask is the hardest ask you'll ever ask. But it's I suppose when trust and trust is coming into communities, they're trying to remove that ask so that trust and trust the food banks they're. In mixing in communities you know so it's a wee bit easier but it's still it is that first ask is the very very hardest ask absolutely caroline i also wanted to ask you about the specifics of where you live and and you're having to negotiate and navigate these difficulties in making ends meet because 
you don't live in in London or another big city like Birmingham or or Belfast you're in a rural area of Northern Ireland and you just spoke about the difficulties of putting diesel in the car and getting around to work and other places what do you think are some of the particular things living in rural Northern Ireland that make your life maybe more difficult than elsewhere well our public infrastructure is absolutely non-existent where I live I need my car to go to work I need my car to be able to access the the cheaper supermarkets I need my car to be able to bring my children to child to things I'd love to do without a car but I can't because I would save on car tax car insurance it's even all that but I can't we've just really really poor investment in services there's nothing for my child to do in our local town she's hanging about the town street because I, I can't justify putting 20 pound in the car to take her into the nearest town to go swimming and stuff like that that's that's the little things everything has to be driven to because you can't rely on buses yeah it's just really really poor and everything is at a higher price so the fact that you're further away the service provision is so limited yeah yeah and then because they're, they're family-run supermarkets so them families need to obviously do a living too so they're more expensive than going to asda the price of milk in asda has just recently went up but the price of milk in my local supermarket has been that price and more for the last two months the cheapest loaf of bread in my local supermarket is a pound and ten you know because we don't get them brand labels we don't get the yellow labels that's not there so our choice is limited as well so it makes it even harder to make choices that that work out for you amy how do you see these differences across the country and the the different areas where trustle trust operates do you see big differences in the needs that people have but also for example the donations you get and the volunteers that you can work with in say london or other big cities versus the rest of the country yeah, that's a good question. We we often talk about rural food banks and urban food banks and the landscapes that differ because of that. So obviously I'm based in London and, and I, I know our London food banks well and there's sometimes there are issues around different support groups and, and agencies that, that are available. But ultimately, when you're living in London, you're going to have a higher level of other places to access support from. And as Caroline mentioned, you know, there is a good public transport and people are able to travel from their home to access support from the food bank. They're not having to jump in the car to make that to make that trip. And in terms of a volunteer base, you've got perhaps a higher number of people to reach out to to come and volunteer at food banks and you're able to reach out to maybe to big local businesses or office blocks that are nearby where you're based as a food bank to get donations in of food and finances as well so that's sort of the more urban landscape and then in terms of rural I completely understand what Caroline was saying around lack of support services, having to travel really far to get to places. So food banks really do have different, very different demographics in in which they're working in. And because of that, the level of support that they are able to provide to people changes as well. So in some rural areas, there might not be as many other agencies or support services that people can be referred into, or people might struggle in terms of the infrastructure to actually get to the food bank in the first place. 
often rural food banks have a really dedicated core team of volunteers which is fantastic who make the food banks function and and support them in in a really good way but that is obviously you have a a smaller pool of people as well to call upon for support so yeah there are challenges that come from being in a more rural setting definitely interesting and uh, challenging it sounds to me especially now with with greater needs Amy I want to pick up on what you said earlier which is that Trussell Trust has this vision really that you become redundant in future and that no one should rely on a food bank for for their basic supplies can you elaborate on how Trussell Trust sees that happen is it about greater social security are there other things that need to happen for that vision to come true yeah absolutely so yeah so I've sort of touched on it briefly already but we really recognize at Trussell that food poverty isn't just one specific issue that affects people it it's an issue of of people not having enough money to afford the essentials in life and it's not just related specifically to food it relates to everything as we've sort of unpacked a bit during our time together that's why it is so important at Trussell that we're really campaigning for a strong and stable security system that can act as that lifeline when people need it so we really need an input and increases into the social security system to not just be one-off announcements but being sort of long-term changes that we see within society as well so within Trussell we work with communities all across the UK to really campaign to change the things that are leaving people without enough money and really that includes building a stronger social security system that provides support not just in a national crisis like we're in now but every day so this can't be something that we think of now because it's at at the forefront of our mind but it has to be every day how are we supporting people who are experiencing crisis and other ways that we can sort of create this vision and this momentum for change also comes through continued support and commitment to our vision for the future so that could mean things like listeners to this podcast getting involved with our work and getting involved on a local level with their local food banks as well there are so many ways to support the wider work and the vision of the Trussell Trust to really help it to become a reality because you know we know that lasting change happens when wider society thinks and acts differently about an issue And we want to see this shift when people to see not only the immediate need for emergency food, but also to be able to recognize what the long term drivers of food bank use are and how to take action about those. That could be things like just have a conversation with someone, share a story of what you've heard in this podcast or look on our website around the stories around people who are facing impossible decisions and even just highlighting how the need for food banks has increased in their area because it's conversations like these that really build understanding and empathy like we've also unpacked a little bit around decreasing stigma around accessing food banks actually how do we also build empathy for people who are left with no option but to use a food bank and actually understand better what's really driving them there in the first place and that is what really wins hearts and minds and and builds public support for a future with a stronger social security system where food banks aren't needed that's what we're really working towards that's what we're pushing for and campaigning for Thank you. And therefore, we're also grateful to Caroline for sharing her direct experience of of using food banks. Caroline, picking up on Amy's point about wanting people to understand what it's like to juggle these multiple pressures. Can you explain a little bit how, because it's quite 
peculiar to the to the UK system that you have a job and at the same time you mentioned you're also receiving universal credit at times because I think in many people's minds it's almost like a black or white you work and you can you can sustain yourself you have enough income or you receive benefits but it's not a black and white thing and the two coexist can you explain a little bit how that works for you yeah obviously like I mean I am a single mom I am working I'm working between 25 to 30 hours a week I am paid a little bit above the living wage but it's not enough for me on my own because as a dual household if we had two incomes coming in obviously we wouldn't be on universal credit but there's only one income in my house but I have a child as well to sustain and ensure that she her needs are met living wage is not enough you know social security is propping up employers not paying us enough you know and it's like me for the nine weeks it's going to be social security that's going to prop up that decision not to pay me when schools are closed yeah I just feel like in communities and it's social enterprises and it's charities that are that they have become the crutch to social security you know whereas it really is social security that is the the main problem here whether it comes to a stage where people all get a, a universal living wage you know or a universal living income if that's a way to eradicate this I really don't know but I do think there needs to be bigger discussions about this within our communities as Amy was saying about changing minds you know I am part of the participatory panel and um, within Trust and Trust where we talk about how do we change the minds you know of people how do we change that narrative from needing a food bank to well how do we remove the need for that food bank how do we make sure that people have that safety net that nobody ever needs a food bank but yet if you do that it is still there somewhere in the background to step in but the government to me shouldn't be relying on charities and community groups to crutch up the social security system that's very clear and yes it challenges some of that discussion around the big society that we heard about a few years ago and of course we have to celebrate the community initiatives and the support that people give but ultimately it would be good to have a system that doesn't need such reliance on the goodwill of people to support others as, as you say Caroline we're close to time and it's been a fascinating conversation but before we finish our conversation I want to ask both of you if there's anything that you still wanted to share with our listeners something that I haven't asked you about or that you would still want to emphasize Caroline do you want to go first I think it's getting to a stage now Katie where people of all circumstances need to be getting really worried now you know because we have food banks that are running out of food what happens when these food banks can no longer sustain the demand that families need? This is no longer about the, the poor, the non-working and the working class. This is now hitting middle class workers and it's hitting them and the poor working class even harder. Where does it end? When do we as people stop and say, no, we've had enough, you know, there needs to be changes. It shouldn't become the norm. Thank you, Caroline. That's very clear. Amy. Yeah, great. Caroline, what you just said at the end there really resonated, like, don't let it become the norm. And I think if I was to say anything to your listeners is don't get complacent and don't let this become the norm and don't let yourself become desensitized to this because 
it's not right that people are needing to use food banks and it's not right that the cost of living crisis is pushing people further into these desperate situations. We need to work collectively and have a collective voice and have a collective vision about how we can ameliorate this situation and and make it better for people who are needing the support from food banks. And we need to continue supporting the food banks who are on the front line, who are distributing food parcels and providing that much needed support to people. But we also need to recognise that it's not right and that more needs to be done to change. And we need to get involved with some of our wider campaigns around, like Caroline said, pushing for, for better social security support for people, not just this time in this emergency crisis that we're going through, but for the long term to make sure that that, yeah, people are, are better supported. Thank you. And I think that's a really important message to end on. So I want to thank you both very much for your time and for sharing your insights and experiences. It's really appreciated. Caroline, thank you for coming back on again. Oh, and, not a problem, Kate. And Amy, likewise, thank you very much for your time at a busy time for, for oh. you and for the Trussell Trust. Thanks so much. It's great to be on. Thank you for listening. We are really glad that you decided to join us for this episode. Food bank use and food insecurity is not something that's limited to the UK, and the cost of living crisis is a reality for many around the world. The Trussell Trust is keen to emphasize that the need for food banks and the fact that they have the largest network at the moment isn't something they like to see. They're not okay with food banks being part of the fabric of society. If you like this episode, please let us know via social media, our Twitter and Instagram accounts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do spread the word about our podcast. We hope you'll join us again next time.